And welcome to a bonus episode of the Horizon Roundtable. I am Bob McDonald. Joining me in place of Matt, who is not here, but you can find on Twitter at Horizon Matt, is John Parker. Hey, Bob. Great to be here today. Yes, and uh, I, I wonder why. Um, <laughs> John, of course, you can find his new Twitter account at Horizon John, and you can find the podcast on Twitter as well at Horizon RT. On Facebook at Horizon Roundtable, on the web at HorizonRoundtable.com, and be sure to subscribe to us wherever podcasts are found. We we said we weren't going to do anything this week, uh, any a new podcast, you know, next week. Technically, we're still in this week though, so we're kind of okay. So this is why we're in bonus um, episode territory because um, this is actually, honestly, this is kind of an extension of last episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, the goal was to kind of try and get all three women's basketball postseason coaches. Um, unfortunately, we're probably going to have to stick with two for now. Well, yes, of course, because of the news that uh, Wright State coach Katrina Mayerweather has taken the job at Memphis. Memphis, yes. So, yes. So, um, she obviously was uh, – her availability is now with – with the with the American Athletic Conference, so good luck to you there. Um, but uh, two out of three ain't bad. And so joining us, joining us now is the head coach at Milwaukee, who made it to whose team made it to the second round of the WNIT, and that is Kyle Recklitz. Hey, coach Recklitz, thank you very much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Absolutely, so glad to be on with you guys. All right. So I, I guess the first question would be, you know, Milwaukee was picked to, to finish seventh in the preseason poll, and they wound up ending earning a share of the regular season title. What do you think the team did to prove the league's coach is so wrong? <laughs> well, I actually think, uh, you know, being picked seventh was a big part of the motivation that our players had. It really put them in a position where they were really hungry almost every time they came into practice. Um, you know, they had a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, on their shoulder, <clears throat> you know, coming at the end of the season before, um, you know, we had actually won eight out of our last nine games in conference. We'd really gotten on a roll. And so I think our team, especially with who we had returning, felt like um, we had earned a little bit more respect than what was given. So uh, it, it actually put us in a really good position to be motivated um, from day one. And I think, you know, every game we walked into it was they were trying to prove something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then in addition to being the team that overachieved the most, Milwaukee actually had the player who outdid the the coaches at preseason expectations by the most in Megan Wallstead. Um, after she missed the previous season with injuries, she was the only postseason first team all-league pick that didn't earn a spot on either preseason all-league team. How much of the, the perceived overachieving, would you credit to what she brought? Yeah, you know, Megan is such a, a dynamic player because she affects the game on both ends of the court. You know, she, she has this just natural ability to score. Uh, and we had missed that the year before, and it took us some time to really kind of um, get in a groove without her. I do think like towards the end of the season, like I said, when we started kind of that win streak at the end of the year, I felt like our team finally had gotten into a rhythm of playing without her. Uh, and then to have her back 
um, after, you know, other players had really kind of stepped up, it just made our team that much better. Uh, and so we knew that she was going to be a force within the league. Um, you know, she's kind of one of those players that performs uh, well every day in practice. You know, you know, it's, it's sometimes I, I go through practices and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I didn't critique her once today. And I need to <laughs> I need to find stuff to, you know, to help her make her better as well. But uh, like I said, just her performance on the offensive end um, is just as important as what she does on the defensive end for us, you know, leading, leading the conference and block shots um, this year. Um, the, her ability to defensive rebound is just, was really tremendous for us and really helped us, you know, take that big step this year. Yeah. From an entire, uh, from an entire roster standpoint, Milwaukee's rotation featured five seniors, a redshirt junior, and two redshirt sophomores. How much do you think that experience helped in this strange season? Oh, a ton. You know, I mean, when we were first going into this year and, you know, not even knowing if we are going to get to play games, you know, at the beginning of it all, uh, having those upperclassmen was a huge help um, to our staff, um, to our underclassmen, because we actually had seven new players um, on our team. Um, so for as much as we had a lot of returners, I think we had eight returners and seven new players. Um, it was pretty balanced. And so um, without having the summer, because we didn't get summer workouts, our upperclassmen did a lot of teaching, you know, this year. It was, um, you know, they were running some open gyms by themselves where they were helping go through the offenses. Uh, they were really, you know, setting the tone culturally, uh, making sure people understood, you know, what we do at Milwaukee and what we don't do. Um, and so was just really proud of our leadership and, and the upperclassmen's, like, willingness to kind of sacrifice in different ways to make sure we could have success. All right. And then focusing in on kind of the five seniors, we've seen a number of the league's seniors announce their intentions to take advantage of the additional season that they're going to be granted this year, either with their current school or exploring other options. Um, I'm not asking for any like breaking news, but are there <laughs> any early indications on whether some of Milwaukee's, seniors might be back next year? Yeah, so we have five seniors this season. Um, we have three that are committed to returning. Um, we'll be making announcements that uh, here soon. Um, one that is still up in the air uh, might be coming back. Really hopeful for that. Uh, and then actually one, um, Bree Sierra, is actually going to be moving on. Um, she ended up uh, getting her degree in nursing and got okay. a job um, on a cardiac floor um, in nursing and is actually getting wow. married this summer. So oh, wow. super, yeah. So she was kind of planning a wedding throughout the season and kind of just decided it was her time to hang up the shoes and, you know, put, put her nursing stuff on. So we're, we're really excited for her as well. Yeah. That's awesome. Wow. Based wow. on the makeup of the roster, she's actually the one I would have figured would have wanted to, to come back, but yeah, that got a lot going on. Yeah, I had actually hoped she would too, because you know, having her sister Angie on the team this year and the, watching the two of them together was just truly a blessing. Um, and I just felt so bad for her parents, who are amazing, Tony, Tony and Heather. They're just amazing people, uh, and they didn't get to see them play together in the stands, um, except for kind of our last two games of the season uh, in the WIT since we didn't have fans. So I was really hoping they would get to see them play on the court more together <laughs> than they did. Sure. Um, yes. Uh, 
my next question involves uh, involves the transfer portal. We actually asked this question, same question, with mm-hmm. uh, to Cleveland State's head coach uh, Chris Kilsmeyer. With just about every school in the league having a player in the transfer portal, what kind of impact do you see it having in the league going forward? Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. So far, we've been blessed to not have anybody enter yet um, into the transfer portal. So we're hoping that that stays because I, I just really love our roster. I love our team. Um, but it just seems like that is kind of the way it is now. You know, I mean, it's kind of almost an expectation that you're going to have one or two um, enter at the end of the year um, and that you're going to pick up one or two the following year. Uh, you know, and it's just um, it's tough because I feel like, you know, as coaches, you know, you're really trying to create um, a plan, but you're also trying to create like, um, you know, repetitive, you know, like trying to grow every season. It's like, okay, you got to grow from the last season um, and build. And it's tough to do that sometimes when your roster flips over the way it's going to be um, doing here now in the future. Uh, So it is, it's, it's really interesting. You're seeing some players even transfer within the league. Um, you know, we had last year had lost Sydney Levy, and she transferred over to Green Bay. And um, I think just now it was announced one of the Robert, Moore play- Robert Morris players are transferring over to Youngstown State. That's right. Um, so that's even more interesting when you start to see the interleague transfers, <laughs> you know, because um, it definitely, you know, can be motivation for one team to <laughs> try to, to, to win a game when you lose a player to another Horizon League school. So um, I definitely think it's going to – I think it's the way it's – it, you know, I mean, it's, I don't think it's going to change here in the future. I think it's going to be a lot of transfers still in the portal um, in the next few years. But, um, hope, like I said, hopefully for us, we, we continue to retain retain the people that we bring in. All right. And then as a Milwaukee grad, I just – I need to make sure to highlight any win <laughs> of the Marquette that we get. Let's but go. especially <laughs> in a year when they've got a really good team. What is yeah. it for you to have pulled off the, the win over the Golden Eagles and then kind of building off of that to see what kind of team they ended up being going forward? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, it was it was a really interesting week of prep that week. You know, usually when we're coming into the Mar- Marquette series, it's almost the sense of, you know, we have to play really well to win this game. And coming into this year, was a very different feeling. I felt like our team just really believed they were going to win. Um, the confidence was really high, and we had a great week of practice, um, you know, coming into it. I think it really helped getting the two wins before that um, with Ball State and Bradley because those were two really good teams as well. Um, and so to be able to win those two, I think, gave us that shift of confidence that we needed. Um, but we really took it to them from the start, um, and that it was probably one of the more fun games I've had coaching, just watching. I didn't have to coach too much. I just kind of got to watch them play um, the game, and which is really, really a kind of neat thing. And a lot of credit goes to our strength and conditioning staff because we were in really great shape. Um, and I feel like that was something that was, uh, you know, maybe lacking a little bit in past years against them was that we felt like they could beat us up and down the court. And this year um, I felt like we actually won the transition battle, um, which is really tough against a team like that because they're so good in transition. So I'm excited for what Megan um, Duffy has created there. Uh, her and I are good friends. Um, she's a, a really excellent coach. And so it was no surprise to watch them kind of go on a big run. Um, maybe, maybe our game was a little more motivation for them um, as the season went along, but uh, it was definitely a great win for the program, and hopefully we can continue to build off of that here coming into this next season. Yeah, and then you mentioned uh, games where you kind of got to watch a little bit more. 
next question I had, I actually wanted to touch on one that might've fit the bill. Um, the WNIT victory. <laughs> what do you think led to that 38 point win? Yeah. You know, uh, we played, our, we played our zone about 15% maybe of the time during the season. And as a staff, we kind of came into the tournament and said, let's, let's ramp it up. Let's play our zone a little bit more. Um, people won't be prepared for it. Uh, it's tough to, it's tough to go against. Um, it's a very unique zone. Um, and even though they're a really good three point shooting team, Drake was, um, you know, we decided that we were going to make them hit threes from different angles. Like they were going to have to get their shots off from different ways. And, um, I just don't think they were ready for that. Um, the zone piece to it. And obviously we came out hitting, um, which, which was, fantastic we had given them actually some time off our team some time off um the week before we'd only practiced really two days out of that week um just really to rest them and i think that helped too because sometimes as coaches we can over coach a little bit and over prepare our teams um and we kind of took the different approach we wanted them to be like kind of rested and recovered um from the long season um to see if we could make a run at it and it was really fun to come in that game shoot as well as we did but also to defend um, in our zone as well as we did. Um, one other significant part of the fact that you beat Drake in the WNIT, that win actually secured a 20-win season for you. Did hitting that total carry any extra meaning in a season where non-league schedules are pretty bare bones, especially given how strong your non-league schedule proved to be? Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, I just uh... – it, when we hit that 20, I was just so proud. Um, the fact that we got to play 20 games was impressive to me, let alone win 20 games. Uh, you know, we didn't have a single shutdown as a team uh, during the year. And uh, that just goes to show the sacrifices that our players made, our coaches made. Um, you know, a lot of people contributed to luck. Um, I definitely think there's probably a little bit of luck involved in that. But I also know, like, our team – really didn't do anything for an entire season. Um, they didn't get to see their families, their friends. They didn't go out to restaurants. Um, they just really um, bought into the process of trying to win a conference championship. Um, so to get to 20 wins, I think, for as much as the winning side of it is all great, you know, especially knowing that we lost um, four non-conference games, you know, could have had four more chances to get some wins um, during that time period. Um, the fact of I think it just shows like all the hard work, the sweat, everything that was put into the season to be able to even play, you know, have an opportunity to play 20 games. So we were, we were pretty excited as a team um, to be able to hit that milestone. And then kind of stepping aside from Milwaukee specifically, in addition to the win that you got in the WNIT Horizon League schools pulled off the biggest seed line upset in the NCAA tournament and won the WBI. And that's not even factoring in that a couple of really strong program or teams in IUPUI and Green Bay didn't participate in the postseason. What do you think this postseason says about the strength of the league and with players like Macy Williams, the three-time player of the year coming back, about the league's prospects going forward? Yeah, you know, I just think it definitely gave, you know, gave more respect, um, for sure. Um, I, you know, so proud of, you know, Katrina uh, Merriweather and her team and what they did in the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, we knew playing them earlier in the year that they had potential to win some games like that with the style of play that they have, with the personnel that she had um, created. So I was, re I was really 
really happy for her and her players. Um, have a lot of respect for them, but to be on that national stage and and really show that you know we we can compete um, with SEC schools, we can compete with ACC schools. Um, you know, us beating Marquette early in the year to show that we can you know beat Big East schools. Um, I think hopefully we'll garner some respect. And it was pretty awesome what Cleveland State did. I mean, that's tough to go win you know three games in a row in a postseason tournament. Um, the way that they did it, and so and 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 Portland State's a really good team. So to win that at the end of it too was was a big accomplishment. So it's just um, it's awesome to know that the teams that did take the invites to the tournaments and the ones that did get invited, you know, showed out for the league um, and hopefully gained some respect um, for us moving forward. Yeah. All right, and then we talked about. The, the overachieving that Milwaukee as a team did compared to preseason expectations and about Megan Wallstead's, you know, huge impact after the first season sidelined by an injury. With that in mind, I'm, I'm kind of putting you on the hot seat here. I'm sorry. But uh, who do you think was the biggest Horizon League Award snub? You for Coach of the Year or Wallstead for Defensive Player of the Year? You know, Katrina earned that Coach of the Year, um, you know, for – for the way that she commanded that team. I mean, the only, the only games I think they lost, uh, you know, towards the end of the year, they lost to Green Bay, who was really hot um, at the end. But really, I mean, two of their losses came when Angel Baker didn't travel, you know, with them. So um, to, not, to not have Angel Baker is a pretty tough, you know, tough to win, just like if we didn't have Megan Wallstad, it would be tough to win. So, um, I, I, you know, I, I have so much respect for Trina. I think she, she deserved that for sure. Um, but I was really hoping, Megan, for the defensive player. You know, I just – I think that um, for some reason, steals are – you know, the steals leaders seem to always be, you know, the deciding factors. And, um, you know, of getting awards like that. Um, you know, so that's, that is a tough one for me because not only did Megan um, do it from a block perspective, um, but she also did it um, from a rebounding perspective. I mean, she was, um, the top, you know, one of the top two in the league in defensive rebounds um, per game. Um, and then she had the task of guarding some of the best post players in the league one-on-one. Um, you know, we played Macy Williams one-on-one yeah. in our mm-hmm. series. Um, and she held her to her lowest point totals, uh, in a series and lowest percentage, um, her and our other post player, uh, Emma Whitmerhouse. And so I had hoped that that would carry some weight. Um, obviously it didn't, but in the same sense, it gives her something to work towards. It gives her motivation coming into this next season to try to earn something like that. For the record, I'm a Cleveland state guy, so I'm kind of biased. So I have no comment. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Mariah White, I mean, she's. She's in, such an incredible player. So there's nothing taking away from what she does uh, on a daily basis. That's for sure. So, um, so I, I had, I would, I would be, uh, I wanted to ask about, um, cause we, in our last interview with Chris Kilsmeyer, we obviously asked him about his relationship with the, his men's counterpart, um, Dennis Gates. And I wanted to ask you about the same question about, um, your relationship with Pat Baldwin on the men's side. Um, what, what, how have you guys been able to interact specifically in this crazy season that's gone on? And, you know, what kind of things have you guys taken away from each other? You know, Baldwin and I are really close friends. Um, he's somebody that I trust, somebody that I rely on. Um, and so we text or talk on the phone, especially during the season, often. Um, 
and not even always about basketball. You know, I mean, he's got his son who's, um, you know, in the process of making a college decision here soon. Um, my daughter is also an athlete. She thankfully has made her decision already um, as to which college she wants to go to. So it's, uh, you know, we had a lot of family stuff in common as well. Um, but it's just, it's been amazing having him as a support tool. I mean, we would, the beginning of the year, I can't tell you how many times we were like, okay, well, how are you handling this? And not even just with the COVID stuff. I mean, you have to think about the election that was happening, the social injustice um, that was happening at the beginning, that's still happening, but was really prevalent at the beginning of the year when, when George Floyd was murdered. Um, it was, you know, it was one of those things where it's just like to be able to have him to rely on to like how he was handling stuff on his men, the men's side was really, really important. Um, and we did some, you know, uh, discussions too, where, um, you know, like we had actually one of our men's basketball players and one of our women's basketball players lead a um, kind of a protest march on campus, um, a peaceful one. Um, both of our staff were involved in that and helping guide them um, through that. So yeah, he's, he's just an incredible resource and a tool for me. Um, and we really developed a great friendship over it. He doesn't drink coffee, um, but I've gotten him to go on some, like, go out and have coffee with me from time to time. And, and then he's, like, zinging through the office because he, he doesn't have that much caffeine usually. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, John, did you have anything else? That would do it. All right. Well, Coach, awesome. again, thank you very much for joining us. Um Tell us, everybody, uh, tell everybody where they can find you online and, and the, and the team as well. Yeah. Um, so mkepanthers.com obviously is where, where all the stuff is located. Uh, you can hit our Twitter page through there. Um, our women's basketball Twitter page, uh, Instagram. Uh, we have a really great marketing staff that does some really great jobs. So hopefully people can jump on it and follow that. I think it's a uh, MKE uh, underscore WBB, um, all, all the Twitter accounts and, mm -hmm. And then my stuff is pretty easy. I'm Kyle underscore reckless on a lot of my, a lot of my account stuff. So hopefully people can, can follow the journey and we're hoping to have a, another successful year with a lot of our returners uh, coming back um, and some, and get some injured players that sat out last year, that'll be ready to go um, to help add to the mix. And uh, yeah, we're excited about, we're excited about getting here to work in the postseason and the summer and seeing what we can do next year. Great. Great. So, um, so yeah, thank you once again. Uh, thank you once again, Coach, and um, good luck to you in, in the off season and definitely next season as well. Thank you. Thanks for your time, you guys. No problem. Thank you. And that's gonna wrap it up for this bonus episode. Um, again, thank you again for to Kyle Recklitz for joining us. We promise we are not doing anything else next week, um, obviously. So. Uh, Theoretically, the Fan Battle Royale, the first episodes of that, will be coming up. And if you haven't signed up yet, you really need to. Go to HorizonRoundTable.com, click on the Jimmy Lempe Fan Battle Royale link, claim your team. Very important. You don't want to be represented by 10 minutes of dead air. And we will do that. We are that petty. So, anyway. Then, and, of course, you can go to Horizon Roundtable for everything else we got going on there. And we're on wherever podcasts are found. And you can also pull us up on your Amazon or Google devices. So until next time, thank you all for listening. <laughs>